yeah, before I have some front porch stuff. Okay. I know uh, our listener likes personal details, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start with, uh, I went to the dentist today. Uh-huh. And something that she did, it's been a while since I've been to her. I remember there's something about her that bothered me. You go to a female dentist? I think that she's great. Uh-huh. Glad you thought your, your <laughs> joke was <laughs> I think she does really good work and very knowledgeable. Nice person uh-huh. for what you get to know from somebody. When they're digging in when your mouth. When they're digging in your mouth and talking. She is also a little bit of a of a talker. Mm-hmm. Which to me always, I'm like, what do you want from me? Right. Because your hand is in my mouth and you're like, so how's work? Are you doing okay or whatever? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> but um, she does this thing that bothers me. She's very thorough, almost too thorough. So, for example, I had to get a Novocaine shot. So she gives me the shot and then she's like, you know, talking, whatever, waiting for it to take effect, or whatever. she's like, "So, where, where do you feel the numbness?" And I'm like, um, <laughs> "Like my lower cheek." And she's like, "Where?" And I'm like, "Here." She's like, "Okay, is in your lips?" And I was like, "I don't." It, yeah, it feels like a fat lip. And she's like, "Okay, where does it stop?" And I'm like, "Stop! <laughs> it's right here." Uh-huh. And she's like, "Okay, good." And then as she goes to get working, she's like, "Okay, if." You feel any pain or anything happens, just raise your left hand. It's like all this buildup. I'm like, is something going to happen? Right. I've never had a dentist be like, where is it numb? Touch the spot where it's yeah. numb. Up to here, good. And then just be like constantly hitting like, you know, again, you feel anything right. at all. You just it's waiting for the left turn. hand. Yeah. Yeah, go up to let me know. I'm like... <laughs> Now I'm just anticipating pain. I was anticipating right. something. You saw something that made you be like, we really need to make sure this guy's numbed the yeah. hell up. Uh, you're not making me feel relaxed at right. all. <laughs> yeah. And I realized that's what she did before. She's just like very, th- okay, this is going to happen. And then if you feel any pain when this happens, you just really need to let me know immediately. Yeah. And it's like, just do your thing. Yeah, okay, if it hurts. I'll let you know, but don't get me thinking about pain. Right. <laughs> um, my dentist growing up, I'm sure I've told you this before, because whenever dentists come up, I talk about this. My dentist growing up had the nastiest teeth you have ever seen in your life. Crooked, Jeez. brown, not even yellow, <laughs> yeah. brown. Like, ugh. Also makes me want, like, I've just got done complaining to you that I feel like my teeth don't want to be in my head. Mm-hmm. And there are people who have, like, brown teeth. I was like, how do you live? Yeah. Just, like, your teeth are clearly rotting. Mm-hmm. Are you in pain? Are you Have you just adjusted to the pain? Although I will say the last appointment, she was talking to me a little bit, and I'd... my. I think I told you this story. The dentist before I went to her, like, is 
wiped off the face of the map. I literally oh, really? went to the office to like <laughs> do a follow up and they were gone. And he's like off the off the web and everything. He also was not a good guy, like not a guy I'd want to spend any time with and was old. Mm-hmm. So I figure he was just like retiring. He was just like, I'm done. I'm out of here. Yeah. But when I talked to her, she was like, oh, she's like dentistry in the last even like 15 years. She's like is miles ahead of like where it was. Really? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I told her like this guy one time couldn't get something to fit and just like forced in there she's like that was the method yeah you just like would literally like (laughs) hammer something into place in the tooth and be like do you have any pain if the person's like not really you're like okay see you later and now there's like like i had to bite 10 different things to Uh get a mold and and all this stuff that almost makes me want to go back to the dentist just to see how different it is from the last time i've been yeah i mean again i don't know if I was getting all the latest technology, sure. you know, but I worked with a guy when I was a groundskeeper who had one tooth. Yeah. Refused to get it pulled dentures, refused oh. to get that tooth pulled. Oh. He literally had one tooth in the top Front. and yep. Right. Like, yeah. right, like, right. Like his, the canine or whatever. Yeah. That was it. Just the one tooth. And he'd eat meat and all that. He would eat whatever he wanted. Yeah. He um Did he take care of it? It was still there, apparently. Yeah. It outlasted all the others. Exactly. So. <laughs> I wonder if like now he literally like he polishes was it. the guy who drank his own pee my oh. first week on the job. He everyone else just, dared him to just drink. Just to his try pee to impress you. He yeah. He's like well, new new guy I gotta argu- do. He was diabetic. Oh. And his argument was because I'm diabetic, my urine is sterile. Sterile. Mm-hmm. So he proved it by drinking it. So I guess that was the proof. So that was his proof. I can drink my pee because I'm diabetic and my pee is sterile. Yeah, except your pee still tastes like pee. <laughs> so you're you're losing no matter what. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say quickly. My son loves The Office. I thought he would like Parks and Recreation. I, I never really watched it. Um, so I'm watching through Parks and Rec with him. And it definitely has some of the the moments that I um I was dreading the like kind of centrist mm-hmm. let's make every politician look have their moment. So whether it's John McCain, Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. you're in the government, then you're on the show and, and we're giving you your your moment right. to shine, right? And they did something struck me because they just did another one. And in it, the main character, Leslie Nope, is supposed to, like, literally be seeing an icon, interacting with an icon. Mm. And this icon gets to stand in front of a camera and just talk about their initiative, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Leslie, so great to see you. Are you a big fan of my blah, blah, blah bill to blah, blah, blah? And she gets it back. Yes, I'm a big fan, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. And then, like, the politician does their... Does a little more, and then they're like, well, good to see you. Hope you take the job. And then they walk off all, like, Uh awkward. Uh And it just, it made me realize, like, and then she has her, like, fan moment. These politicians, I don't care who it is, are the lamest people in the world. Yeah. And 
you can't sell idolizing them. Like even in this show designed to like be about politics, you can't make me care about a politician. It's right. it's physically impossible because these people have nothing going on. Yeah. Like they really they're the last people that you would want to hear talk about what they're doing cuz what they're doing is whatever is the general consensus is told to them by like four iterations of telephone to be like, you know what people really want? They want to be told that they're fat. <laughs> so I'm going to, you know, really get behind this bill that basically tells everyone that they're fat. And like that that's their level of engagement, right? Especially at that national level where they're so disconnected from everything. That's all they can portray. And then as a personality, like at least when I think about being Denzel Washington, I like, oh, I'd for real be freaked out because he has charisma. Right. You know I mean? yeah. Like, and because he's actually done things that you can point to and be like, you see that? That was awesome. Like, I did that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you did. You're awesome. And I'm intimidated by you. Right. But any, po- I don't care if it's the, pre- especially the last few presidents, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if Joe Biden walked into a room tomorrow, I, I don't know that I would get up the gumption to like give him a head nod or mm. you know what I mean? It just, it's just like a boring person just walked into a, a room. Yeah. You know what I feel like? Um, I feel like it would be hard to feel intimidated around any sort of celebrity because I know that I'm taller than like 99% of them. Right. And like taller by a lot. And I'm not super tall. Six one, but like we were watching um, uh, Genius, the Kanye documentary. Oh yeah, and I don't know what it was, but something it was a shot or something just short struck me, and I was like, "How? I wonder how tall Kanye is." Right, this like huge figure, Mm -hmm. like big, bigger, you know, the the biggest personality in the world. He's five eight. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, I just couldn't imagine. You would think like, man, this this guy whose music I've been listening to my whole life, whose life I've been like following, whether I want to or not, right? right? Always in the news. I'm taller than him. I'm like <laughs> significantly taller than him. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I'm a little bit taller than that. It would be like, you're... Are you short? <laughs> right? like you're kind of short. <laughs> but that's what, for some reason that, like, to me, that makes me feel like I wouldn't be intimidated by him. Well, it's funny because as basic as it all sounds, it is so true that, like, you know, the Napoleon complex, like, all, like, being short, stuff like that messes with people. For sure. And, and drives them a lot of times to, yeah. like, be successful or, or get power. Yeah. Because they yeah. feel overpowered. Right. And on the flip side of that, I am unnaturally freaked out when I see someone who's, like, taller than me. Yeah. Not, like, freaked out, but, like, there is a quick sense of, like, ugh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this guy's... They get bigger than, than right. this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, also, Parks and Rec, Adam Scott. Yep. Severance, There's the tie-in. Right? I was watching, this is the last time I'll bring it up, unless something like truly horrific happens to his appearance in the series. 
I watched a clip of Adam Scott uh, explaining the core concept of severance to Drew Barrymore on her talk show. <laughs> it was on the subreddit. He looked completely normal. Yeah. He looked exactly like how I remember Adam Scott looking. So they have to have done something to him on the show. Yeah. Or maybe it's just how it's shot. Right. Because there is something about him that looks off on yeah. the show. He doesn't look well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, there you go. Maybe that's the point. And yeah, g- yeah, good for him for being like, hey, make me look sick. Uh, okay. Episode five is called, I took down all these notes. Ooh, look at you. I took down all these notes. I'm going to sit got back. Reddit posts I'm going to link to, and I did not write down the name. Episode five is called The Grim Barbarity Grinch. of Optics and Design. Mm, the Grim Barbarity. Um, get back to my notes. I'm trying to think about like whose perspective would that be from? Like, if you had to apply perspective, it's definitely Colin, right? That's his view of optics and design. Who? Colin? Isn't that his name? Colin? Zach. Irving. Zach's the actor. Dylan and Irving. Oh, Colin. Whatever. Dylan. Listen, I I had uh. I have no excuse. <laughs> okay, I have no excuse. Yeah, but Dylan, Dylan. Dylan. So, it, so the title is obviously a reference to the painting, right? Right. Well, um, well. Which painting? Because we see the original painting right. shows uh, macro optics. The, the original painting shows O and D killing M R D. Right, but but no, the original is MRD. Then. Well, the and then the one they find later on is the opposite. It's MRD killing O. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to say about the Reddit thing, mm-hmm. it took a, me a couple weeks to realize. Hey, let me go into the Reddit, see what's going on in there. Maybe we can get some information from there. Reddit. I won't say completely ruined, but played a part in how terrible the ending of True Detective Season 1 yeah. played out. Yeah. Right? It was a bad ending regardless. Well, I disagree. But Okay, well, I didn't I like it. the ending. Right. It was disappointing. Yeah. The ending was disappointing, and, and a lot of that disappointment came from watching the episode and then immediately going to Reddit and saying, oh, look at this. Look at this Easter egg. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Oh, this ties into this. This means this. It's like, oh, the the drawing, the like serial killer drawing is hanging up in the kids' room or whatever. Right. And it's like, oh, what does that mean? And it didn't mean anything. It yeah. was just some set director was like, hey, this would be neat. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Add some atmosphere. <laughs> so with I want to with that being said, I want to say, like, I'm going to do my best to take all of this Reddit crap. With a grain of salt. Well, I mean, but here's the thing, right? Because I started looking into Reddit. Like you, if we if we truly cared about these non-jobs that we have doing this podcast, uh-huh. Reddit would be day one what we would be reading because, number one, it's interesting to yeah. see other people's perspectives. Number two, a lot of times the ideas on there are better than the ideas of whatever show that you're watching. Right, exactly. But so. that's the point. I'm not good with those ideas. 
So it's like, if I never read that idea, I'm never watching the show and then being disappointed because, like, oh, it could have been so much better because mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, that was the show. It was great. You know yeah. what I mean? But instead, like with True Detective, it's like, wow, I can't remember what I was. Um, oh, Disco Elysium. You know what I mean? Oh, like, man. How great would the ending of True Detective season one had been if they had gone, like, as far as Disco Elysium went? And it's like, yeah, the show, the end of the season ends with this, like, weird space Cthulhu or whatever showing yeah. up. They just go for it, you know? Yeah, and, and of it just they pull this, it off. Right, exactly. Which is cr- which is bonkers. <clears throat> yeah. it, the one thing I want to say about Disco Elysium, as a, as a piece of storytelling, I really, especially after playing through it again, I went back to try and do the dance, mm-hmm. which I did. Mm-hmm. Incredible! Right, it was totally worth it. <laughs> incredible, yeah. and it just made me think: Has there been something that has been as ambitious as Disco Elysium that has worked mm-hmm. on? I'm trying to think of a level that it didn't work. Like mm-hmm. you can't break that game on a story level. Right. If you like run into heavy drugs, if you play it like straight down the middle, if you don't dance, if you don't see the the, the cryptid at the end or whatever else. It all still like if I mainlined it, I think I'd still be satisfied by the by the story. Yeah. And then as I dig in deeper, it's just like, how is it still good? Mm-hmm. How is like this isn't supposed to? Ha- I'm supposed yeah. to be bored with the story by now. Yeah. Uh, okay. Episode five. Any overarching themes for you? Um. I mean, yeah, that's a good question, right? Because I was doing the theme thing. Um, nothing stood out to me. I'll be honest. I only got to watch it once this week. Okay. This week has been rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I really enjoyed the episode, but it definitely didn't do everything that I predicted in terms of just like moving everything forward. Right. It kind of expanded still in an interesting way, mm-hmm. but definitely didn't do what I predicted but still enjoyed it yeah i would say overall right it didn't i left episode four thinking like i'm ready for them to move the story forward did not do that really at all this is was my favorite episode so far yeah (laughs) it just is really funny and it's really interesting and it was like i don't know i guess the last episode kind of dragged for me a little bit although the last episode was the one was falling asleep so maybe that yep. was it. Yeah, no. <laughs> this one I, I, I think last, yeah, last week you are exhausted. <laughs> That's the full story on that um, one. Yeah. Okay, so episode five. Heli is, so Heli not dead, like we predicted. I wanted to say there's a moment where I thought she goes down just like I thought. Mm-hmm. She hung herself in the elevator so that she, the other, her Audi would experience the death, mm-hmm. which I thought was brilliant. Comes down exactly what I thought would happen, happens. Mm-hmm. Doors open, the security guard isn't there. Doors close, and there was a second where I thought, is it just automatically going to go back up to the second floor, and then the innie is going to get to experience her own death? Mm-hmm. Like, how terrifying would that be? You execute this plan to be like, I'm going to start this thing, and I won't have to deal with the end of it. And then... You know, your consciousness goes away and then comes back for the final desperate, you know, uh, last gasp 
so to speak. Right. But it doesn't. It just closes and then stays on level mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Uh, Heli is injured by her suicide attempt, but ultimately survives. She returns to work three days later. Um, Wait, does it go up to the second floor? Because Adam was leaving. Uh huh. And she's in the elevator. It did go back up. Right, and then it comes down, and she's right hanging. He finds her. Then the that security guy runs and gets her down. I <laughs> thought I was wrong, but what a horrible reality then, because there's probably a chance that when it went back up to the second floor, mm-hmm. the any oh, experienced, right. mm-hmm. you know, the end of the strangulation. Yeah. Um. I thought the moment where Mark gets in the elevator and he's like totally freaked out and then immediately like snaps into reality was amazing, right? Absolutely crazy. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, There is a lot of theories on the subreddit about Heli, okay? There, the subreddit thinks Heli could be part of the resistance, like an infiltrator, right? Does that ring with you at all it does because the there's that disconnect mm-hmm. right of why her any is so resistant mm-hmm. and why would they pick an audi who would be so inconsistent mm-hmm. and how determined she is makes you feel like you're maybe overplaying your hand a little like it seems like the the video she sent her any was the video of like a zealot. Right. You know what I mean? And that to me feels like it makes sense with the with the character and would explain again why the any is so so resistant to the basic concept. Right. And why they still chose her. Uh yeah, this this is a post I saved. The group reintegrated PD, removing him from MDR and giving an opening for a sleeper agent. They would need someone intel- instinctually inquisitive and questioning, then give her a reason to escape uh, slash expose Lumen, like survival freedom. Any Heli has tested every security mechanism, questioned nearly everything. Audi Heli seems heartless, but was also unnecessarily direct in making any's need for survival clear. That doesn't seem too compelling to me. The, what does seem compelling to me is the other theory, which is that Heli is part of the Egans, or part of like the mm, the family, the family. Mm. Um. Uh, she already knew Egan's breakfast of three raw eggs before Milchick told her in the lobby. What was that? something else to? The, oh, so when she's getting going back to the scene where she's getting severed, right? They show her getting the implant. Milchek says something to the effect of, when we heard you were coming to the severed floor, it was like a miracle. Uh, that's something you'd never say to Mark, Dylan, or Irving. She's clearly above the severed floor. So there seems to be like, there was definitely like a reverence to her getting the operation, right? And when I first watched it, I figured it was just like a, sort of like a, um, I don't know what you'd call it, but but sort of just like a, I would imagine they're doing that for everybody who's getting the surgery because it's an insane surgery to get, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So he's just, so they're just like reassuring that person, Hey, this is the right decision. 
we're really supportive. We were really grateful you're doing this, blah, blah, blah. But it does make sense that the way he, he framed it seemed a little bit more reverential to me than. Yeah. Give me all my options up top then. Uh, I like that one too. I still see the first theory more than you probably, but I like that second theory. Uh, there's some comments about Dylan talking about the Egan's eyebrows. <laughs> Helly has similar eyebrows to what mm. he's describing. Uh, there's some complicated stuff I don't want to read about. Helly is treated differently than everyone else in the office. Her resignation was rejected in record time, according to Mark. There's literally nothing she can do to get fired. When Natalie showed up unannounced, the first thing out of Koble's out of Koble's the first thing Koble said was, is this about Helena? Uh, in the most recent episode, she and Miss Casey are the only people the lights in the dark hall light up for. It seems like the lights are only activated for upper management. I didn't notice that. This person is... That's what this person is saying. Okay. I thought you were going to say this person is... And then fill in an adjective. Yeah. Those are the two theories on the subreddit, though. She's part of the resistance or she's part of, like, the family. Yeah, it makes me think, like, why would an Egan want to work in that department directly then? What's the the connection of what they're doing? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really love the moment. This isn't tied to anything. But where Mark, in response to... Healy being there the next day being like, if you don't want to work on the nice numbers for a little bit, I don't like <laughs> right. the, that's all he can right. offer her. Like yeah. you tried to kill yourself yesterday. So if right. you want to stay away from the scary numbers, right. <laughs> it's all yours. Yeah. You are good. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> oh, I guess we'll talk about this here. Mark continues to read Rickon's book, which carries strong anti-established sentiments. Um, the quote, the quotes from Rickon's book, hilarious, right? Amazing. More, more this time than the last. The last time, the snippets made me think like, oh, is he like being more profound in some way? Like it was goofy, but mm-hmm. there just wasn't enough context to know who else was around it. And this time, you get the context. Right. And, Absolutely He's hilarious. just a straight up bozo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite was I just right the very first thing he said, which is my failure to break into the literary world in my 20s was devastating, yet it taught me a valuable lesson. It was not me that was wrong, but literature, literature. itself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here's something else about the book. Here's the other thing to Heli being part of the resistance Milchek is also part of the resistance, right? Because he's the one he's the one who's being so reverential. So maybe they're both like sleeper agents, whatever. Also, Milchik leaves the book, like we talked about last mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. That does not seem like something that his character would do accidentally. There there was that comment where Dylan mm-hmm. says this could be like the test. Do you remember the, mm. I forget what, like gummy bears or something. Like mm-hmm. it was, you know, so it seems like they've been tested before in some way. Right. Not like this. Well, and later on, they definitely talk about doing the psychological 
tests or whatever on them. Yeah. It, to me, it makes sense that Patricia Arquette wouldn't care about the book after giving it to Milchick. Mm-hmm. It definitely feels at this point that Milchick would have been searching for that book again. Like, it's on him to deal with that book. Right. So if he's lost it, and like you said, he's not a sleeper agent, then he it seems like by now he'd be tracking that book down. Yeah. Um, right, exactly. Uh, the other thing that we missed last episode, the book was not the only thing Coble took from Mark's house. She also took something candle, from his wife's his wife's yeah. candle, which was in the basement in the box. It, right, but it was in the break room. Is that what it's called? When he was making the tree? Oh, I didn't notice it. She put it in there. She put it in there and it was lit when he was making oh, the tree. So what is she is she testing his separation? Yeah. I don't know. Cause uh, there there's no way like she is all in on severance. There's no way that she's any part of a resistance or anything like that, right? Coble? Yeah. No. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. No. Uh, outside of work, Mark attends a lodge where Devin is giving, where Devin gives birth. She doesn't give birth in this episode, does she? She's in labor. Uh, yeah, no, I think she gives birth. Um, we don't see it. I do I rem- definitely remember her like starting to have contractions. I don't remember anything. The last thing I remember from her is like getting coffee, right? From that other lady. No. And then after that, uh, Mark tries to confess to her uh-huh. about Petey. And that's right. when she goes into active labor. Oh, right. And then he's outside while she's actually giving birth. Okay. Um, Which I saw on Twitter somebody say, the most unrealistic thing about this episode of Severance is that uh, a sister would want her brother there with, <laughs> with with her while she gave birth, which completely set up a dynamic that actually is not, I did not think was present. It's not that she wants him like in there for the delivery, mm-hmm. but she wants him there for like the support and all that stuff, which to me makes sense in, in this universe. So. Yeah. Um, especially if your husband is Rickon. Exactly. Asking, like hanging kelp or whatever. <laughs> I saw a crazy, exactly. I, I love that too when um, Mark is like, why are we hanging kelp? And Rickon's like, do you really want to know? <laughs> right. He's like, no, I'll just hang this out, kelp. Um, yeah, and then he also had the other line. If the thief reads the book, talking about the book that gets stolen, if the thief reads the book, it will have been worth it. In fact, I bet you he turns himself in afterward. <laughs> um, I did make a note, though, that <laughs> Rickon is definitely hilarious. Quotes are hilarious. He is such a goofball. <laughs> it's like, it's a little unsettling. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, takes me a little bit out of the show just how insane he is. Well, it makes you question <clears throat> Mark's sister. Right. You know, not only why is she with this guy, but also... Her interactions become hyper, like I, I end up hyper focusing on her too, mm-hmm. and like her interaction with the rich lady that she goes to get coffee right. from is also just weird. Yeah, and there's something about exactly. It. There's something about her that's offsetting, even though I can see that she's supposed to be like, I trust you. I right. you know, Mark trusts her. 
that yeah, it just I I wonder what's up with her. I saw a weird theory about her on Reddit that I don't agree mm-hmm. with. Oh, I've got but, it. Oh, you're getting there. Okay. <laughs> so right to that point, is Devin a bad guy? It's definitely interesting that she goes into labor right when he's mm-hmm. about to talk about PD. Mm-hmm. That I felt like, and she was acting a little odd before that when he started talking. Right when he starts talking about work, or she asks him about. She just asks him how how it's going. I guess. Yeah, and it seems like as as he's going to get more open with her, she wants to shut him down quicker and quicker. Right. Exactly. So. When Mark and Devin are briefly briefly alone after she returns with the coffee, he offers to tell a secret to help to help with her contraction as Rickon instructed earlier, right? Because Rickon said there needs to be a soul void or something. Right, you need to tell all your secrets. <laughs> he says, "I think Lumen is up to something." Her response is very odd, almost defensive yet veiled in a casual tone. She tries to first neutralize the statement with what with your paycheck when mark replies he's been exactly. hearing things her response is a quick who have you been talking to mm-hmm. not oh my god what's going on or what do you hear which would be the obvious reply but all devin wants to know is who he's been speaking with without, without even asking what he has heard incredibly suspicious is that what you were talking about yes yeah <laughs> yeah that one to me definitely feels like it's interesting, but that one to me definitely feels like we get to the end of the series and it's like, oh yeah, we were just reading into that way too much. You know what I mean? It's definitely written with some intention there. I think with yeah. her responses, again, whether it means that she is on Lumen's side, um, I don't know. I mean, again... Something that's not really talked about, but has to be a part of this whole thing too, is the death of Mark's wife. Mm-hmm. She crashed into a tree. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like maybe there's more there, and maybe that's where Devin is involved, potentially. Yeah. Uh, when Heli returns, Coble orders Miss Casey to watch her closely. Irving once again hallucinates black slime and decides to visit Bert to calm himself. But Mark tells him a tells him to print a second copy of the directions to O&D. While doing so, the copier prints out a painting of O&D employees viciously massacring MDR employees. Used all the ink on that, too. That was very (laughs) detailed from a printer. Yeah. Uh, Irving and Dylan confront Bert over the painting who claims that he lied about the size of O and D because the MDR department is seen is seen as untrustworthy. Um, and, and listen in a violent overthrow or battle, that's one reason why I think optics and design is, is low because they mounted an uprising didn't take and so they're they got cut right so it's like you only get two people because of your past misdeeds Mm -hmm. now that we see optics and design is actually a huge department it seems like mdr again what macro data refinement Mm -hmm. that they have been the ones who've been pared down there's only four Mm -hmm. so 
and there's more in the picture. So it seems like in an overthrow situation, it does feel like MDR were the ones who lost it and, you know, mounted it and are maybe the ones suffering the consequences Mm -hmm. instead of optics and design, like what Dylan thinks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, There is also a whole other theory that I didn't even bother to, to note about like uh the about it's not actually a, a severance it's not actually a severing it's they're like putting the chips in these people to like incubate them <laughs> and then eventually pull them out so they can just live on their own and and work 24/7 or whatever um but one thing that is kind of interesting about that is when they're having the conversation with Bert um, first of all, love Christopher Walken in that scene. Hilarious, right? And I'm not a huge Christopher Walken guy. Like he's kind of like one of those meme actors, you know? Like yeah. he just acts like Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, right? But he was perfect in that. And when he's talking about, he says something like, "They think you have pouches." It's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> just like <laughs> silence, and he goes, "It's literally silly." <laughs> it's just so perfect. <laughs> Um, but that is kind of interesting that I guess maybe that that was what got the Redditor thinking like whatever there. He also says something about having like larva in their pockets or something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I thought that scene was great. Loved it. Yeah. No, like you said, it's, it's the funniest episode for sure. While also I think expanding some of the mysteries with also not adding new ones. You know, you're right. just kind of expanding what you've already been curious about, well, which yeah. makes me feel more confident that they're going to pay it off. Mm-hmm. But they need to start paying some stuff off. Yeah. You know, this next episode, maybe. Uh, meanwhile, Mark sneaks Heli out of MDR and reveals he has been recreating PD's map. Heli agrees to help Mark with recreating the map. At first, she doesn't. Walks away, and they find that weird lamb room where the man is like, they're not ready. Tell them they're not ready. Right. Heli agrees to help Mark with recreating the map after they after they discover a previously unknown department in which a single employee feeds baby goats. Um, again, there's a huge long post on Reddit about goats and the symbolism of goats that I could not mm. even, like, I just couldn't pare it down to like a single idea. Um, But one thing that I thought was interesting, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, I guess if the, if Milchek leaving the book is like some sort of experiment, someone on the Reddit was suggesting maybe that the goat room is also an experiment. Mm-hmm. Like it's not an actual department. It was just something that they had set up just to see how they would react to it. Um, which I thought was interesting. It doesn't, I don't think it really tracks because there's also, there have been moments where is it Dylan? I think who talks about how he hears noises in the break room. Is that where he says it's different for different people or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Dylan and maybe Heli, multiple people have heard noises in the break room. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that's the goat room since it seems to be close to the to the break room. 
Um, oh, shoot. <clears throat> Makes me think of Hannibal Lecter, the lambs, All the right. screaming lambs. Well, and then Helly says something about... Doesn't she say something about what if the numbers are people and we're killing people? Yeah. Um, and then there were there was stuff on the subreddit about like baby goats who's in the room because he's this guy is like feeding them, right? Mm-hmm. Baby goats are called kids. Right. Right. The goats were very purposefully made to sound like crying babies. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some sort of symbolism there, right? I mean, obviously the goat room is just, it's not meaningless. They're doing a Pinocchio thing? It's <laughs> right. Turning little kids into goats? And yeah, maybe. Goats into little kids? Um, yeah. Uh, Coble admits to performing psychological experiments on the employees right when she's talking to the one security guy, who the security guy who found Heli comes in. And she says something like, I'm doing a 266 or something. Yeah. Right? Um, so I guess that brings us back to, well, I guess the last part. Meanwhile, Dylan and Irving walk back, walk Bert back to O&D. Oh, right, because they say take us to O&D. Uh, Dylan discovers a hidden copy of the massacre painting, but the trio notice that the painting instead depicts MDR employees massacring O&D employees. Bert takes Dylan and Irving to the unlabeled back room. Um, so are the paintings also just one of these psychological experiments, like a uh, divide and conquer type of thing? Yeah, I mean, again, I think going back a few episodes, I was trying to think about what Lumen would be about like what would they be trying to accomplish and you know a key kind of tool in you know kind of psychological i don't want to use the wrong language and sound uh and and overstate it but the only thing that's coming to my mind is psychological warfare you know the Mm -hmm. the a big tool in that if you think Scientology and or even just Christianity or any religion, right? Um, it's art, artistic depiction, its role in myth making. Um, you know, the, just looking at Irving and his responses, right? Where he's like, "I I wept at this scene," mm-hmm. you know, depicted and and all that. That seems to be you know a a key tool in again brainwashing yeah. not just brainwashing but just getting people to buy your ideology right yeah that it's it's a it's a major tool in the tool belt so the fact that they are designing and developing art unless there's like there's a handgun built into every single artwork and when we say the code word uh-huh. you're going to reach in grab the gun shoot and we're going to take over the world that it's it's just again lumen seems to be trying to propagate an idea or a belief system and what they're doing is all in service of their perspective right scientology or whatever else 
Um, so again, yeah, when I saw the goats, I immediately thought not as a direct one to one, but it definitely made me think like the occult. You know that these are, um, you know, these would be sacrifices, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, we need steady animal sacrifices to keep up with our uh, lunar calendar because we got to mm -hmm. sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think it's as direct as that. But I think again that theme, that idea, is permeating that these are people with a with a larger mission and intention to what they're trying to spread in the world other than good services and artwork yeah yeah the big takeaways appear to be that um lumen is not just like test piloting this severance idea right they're like doing some weird psychological stuff to these people um Heli is not just a another employee. She right. either is a part of the resistance trying to infiltrate the system or whatever, or she is one of the Egans, which, the, again, the Egans are the founders of Lumen, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, again, now I'm thinking about when they went to the perpetuity wing and trying to see if any of those people looked like well, that was part of the post. Um, Dylan comments on Jamie Egan having some solid eyebrows. Heli has some solid eyebrows of her own. The camera also follows her face right after Dylan's comment, and she has a long stare down with the wax Jamie Egan statue like she knows him. The shot continues with her walking along a wall that says history lives within us whether we know it or not. Hmm? Mm. There's only two CEOs we don't have a dedicated cutaway scene for their nameplate. Leandra Egan and Ambrose Egan. Ambrose is the black sheep of the family, according to Irving. I think they were trying to hide. Uh, he had a relatively short tenure. Le Leandra, you never get a dedicated shot of either her face or nameplate. She's redheaded, former CEO, who is about the right age to be Heli's mom. It also explains why Heli's last name starts with R instead of E. Uh, those are the two connections to the Egans. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. And it's moments like this that I always wonder, like, <clears throat> if the writer read that, I wonder if they're like, Right. Yeah. yeah. They, you know? They're just like, oh shit. We, I mean, why do I name head. them both R's? <laughs> um, uh, only Irving's index finger and thumb have dirt under them, which fits with if he was wearing sailing sailing gloves. And then they link to a pic picture of sailing gloves and their gloves that don't have an index finger or thumb. Uh, the men's wellness session said he loves to swim. He enjoys the sound of radar. He <laughs> he values water, and he once appeared in a newspaper with a trophy, presumably for a water sport. That's the theory on Irving being a sailor, like a not like a navy sailor, like a mm. a hobby like a, sailor, right? Yeah, I mean that one. Like, I think anybody who's going to post on Reddit should pass the. 
initial smell test of like, oh, that makes sense versus like, um, that makes sense beyond, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I could see that. I don't see what that would mean for the story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one last thing quickly for the end of the show. Did you watch all of uh, Dexter, the new Dexter? No. You didn't? No. You didn't finish it? The new Dexter, I didn't even start it. Oh, you never watched it? I thought you and Chris were talking about watching it. No, Chris has been watching it, but I was like, should I watch it? Mm. It got as far as that. Okay. Well, we finished it. And? It was good. It was a good Dexter season. Um. The ending has somehow pissed off the fan base all over again. Really? Yeah. Do you get it this time? or I thought the ending was fine. I th- thematically, I thought it was perfectly fine. And I thought it was a great way to, to end the season. I like. I don't understand what... The- Are they still making more or is this just an oopsie season? No, this is it. It, it. it wasn't even an oopsie. It just was this is the... We're like retconning the old end to end it. No, that, the yeah, right that's what way. I'm saying. That is an oopsie. That's an oopsie oh, season. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, to fix that, the last oopsie season, yes. Right, because I don't think that they sat for the last like 10 years just being like, we just got to wait one more right. year to get this final yeah. season out that we've designed this way. I bet it was like, but I also want to know like, that's a documentary I'd love to see. Mm-hmm. What happened? Mm-hmm. Like, I'd love to just see a documentary that tackles the writer's room of the last season of any long-running TV show mm-hmm. just to see what people are like at that point. Yeah. Are they just so burnt out? Or are they just so just like, who gives a crap? Yeah. Like, what are we doing anymore? Just give him a beard, throw him in a hurricane. Right. Make his sister fall in love with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, what what happened? Like, that was an epic like yeah, just- I, I I watched some stuff about it after finishing the season. Apparently, the showrunner Clyde Phillips left after the fourth season, and some other people took over. And that fifth season is when it's a precipitous drop off, uh, and everything just goes to shit basically. Yeah, and then he comes back for this last season. Yeah, again, I just don't understand how like you put so much time and effort into something that then you put it out there and somebody clearly goes, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, and this sucks. <laughs> and then you in the writer's room go, I just don't know what went wrong. Right. You know, he's like, yeah. meanwhile, everybody's like, this is, let me break it down why Dexter sucks now. Mm-hmm. And and you still can't write that ship? Yeah. What? Yeah, well, I thought, I thought it was good. I thought this season was good. It's, you know, it has its like, the stuff that's bad about it is the same stuff that was bad about the first four seasons, which were good seasons. Um, so it's just, you know, it's a good Dexter season, I thought. You turn to four. Yeah. All right.